You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 119 and verse number 57, the Bible says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep thy words. Verse 58, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. I thought on my ways and turned my feet unto thy testimonies. I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Verse 63, I'm a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word and thank you for this uh, wonderful day you've given us to be in your house, to serve you, to worship you, to uh, encourage to, to encourage one another and to be encouraged by your word and by your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd speak to us tonight and I pray that the word of God would not go forth uh, and uh, return void, but I pray that it would accomplish something in our hearts and lives and may it change us and may it uh, affect our week, may it affect our schedules, may it affect our priorities, and may it change our lives. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Psalm 119, we started last Sunday night, and we saw in this section, uh, verses 57 to 64, we saw number one, David said that God was his portion. And we said, that doesn't mean that you only get a portion of God. Aren't you glad you get all of Him? And uh, I'm glad that uh, He is all we need. He is my portion. And uh, David said, God is all I have, and He's all I want, and He is all I need. Number two, we saw that there's a promise. It says in verse number uh, 57, David made a promise to God and said, I have said that I would keep thy words. And I hope we will make some commitments. I hope we will make some promises. Uh, if you don't make any promises to God, then you're probably not going to follow through. I think it's good to set some goals and good to say, uh, with God's help, I'm going to read my Bible every day. That'd be a good promise to make. That'd be a good goal to set. And uh, say, I'm going to pray every day. Now, it'd be a good uh, promise to make God and say, I'm going to do my best every opportunity I get to be a witness. Every opportunity I get, I'm going to be an encouragement. Every opportunity I get, I'm going to do and, and say, tell God, say, God, with your help, I'm going to do these things. I think it'd be good for God's people to say and determine, say, with God's help and uh, with God, by God's grace, I'm going to not only tithe. That's the basic. That's just that's the foundational level. Uh, but I'm going to give above and beyond. And I'm going to give to God, and I'm going to watch God bless in return. And I'll promise you this, you can't outgive God. And uh, you, you give, and God will bless you. I promise you that. But there's a promise. Number three, we saw last week, the prayer. Verse 58, David said, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. And we saw not only the prayer, but we saw the passion. David said, God, I am begging you. I am pleading with you. That word entreat literally has the idea that you become uh, grieved or become sick until that request is granted. You know, 
I don't want to get off on a rabbit trail, but I, I think sometimes our prayers are way too casual. I think our prayers are, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Oh, well. But can I tell you, there are some things we ought to be praying for that it, it's do or die. I mean, God's got to come through, and, and we, ought to, we ought to get serious about our prayers. I, I use this example so much, I hope I don't overuse it. But if you had an opportunity to speak to a king or to a queen, or you had an opportunity to speak to a president or a governor, could you imagine going into that meeting and not even having anything to say? It's like you weren't even prepared for the meeting. You get in there, and you just kind of chit-chat, and okay, yeah, well, uh, you know, it just you stumble through it. Uh, no, you'd go with a mission. You'd go with an agenda. You'd say, I need these things, and I need to ask you about these things, and I need to talk to you about these things. And we get to go before the presence of the creator of the universe Amen. and to make our requests known unto God. And I'm glad we don't have to wait for an appointment. Uh, he's available 24-7, but there needs to be a prayer. And then David says, my passion. He says, I'm entreating thy favor. I need your blessing. But he said, I'm entreating you with my whole heart. Uh, if God is your portion, if God is all you need, I promise you this, you're going to follow him with your whole heart. He's going to be your passion. He's going to be everything. He's going to be what consumes you, what gets you up in the morning and what gets you through the day when God is your portion with my whole heart. And then notice verse number 58, the rest of the verse, it says, be merciful unto me according to thy word. I'm glad that we serve a merciful God. The Bible talks about Lot in Genesis 19, and it makes this statement. It says that God sent the angels to rescue Lot, God being merciful unto him. Aren't you glad for the times that God's mercy showed up when we were in trouble? And when there was nothing we could do, but it was the mercy of God that saved us. Exodus 34, the Bible says the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Praise God. Deuteronomy 4.31, the Lord thy God is a merciful God. Psalm 37.26, he is ever merciful. Now, sometimes with people, mercy runs out. So you better take it while you can get it, right? But with God, his mercy is forever. Notice verse number 59, we see the path. We've seen the portion and the promise, the prayer, the passion. Number five, we see in verse 59, David's path. He says, I thought on my ways, and I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Now, this did not happen while David was, um, you know, reading the newspaper. It didn't happen while he was flipping through uh, the news stations. It didn't happen while David was out on the golf course, you know, hitting, hitting the golf ball. But David said, while I was thinking on these things, while he was thinking on the word of God, something happened. He realized that there were some things in his life that needed to change. And by the way, when you and I, when we get focused on the word of God and when we start reading the Bible and we start uh, uh, studying the Bible and we start listening in, in church and going to Sunday school and coming to prayer meeting and Bible study and we let the word of God soak in, we're going to realize there's some things in our lives that need to change. And David said, when uh, I thought on my ways, he said, I thought about the things that I was doing and he said, and I realized those didn't line up with the word of God. 
And he said, and I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. When he saw his ways, he realized he had to make a change of direction back to the ways of God. How's your path tonight? I wonder, and you know, it, it's interesting because sometimes you get on the right course, but over time you can kind of get off track, right? Doesn't take a whole lot. You can just get it like we said this morning. Just get a little distracted. Get your eyes off the goal. But let's get our feet turned towards the path that God has for us. Let's get our, our direction set on the way that God has for us. Notice verse number 59. I thought on my ways and I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Verse 60, David said, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. You see, if you don't do what you're supposed to do right away, you may never do it. We have right now, I say we, I don't know if my wife has this struggle, but we have one of our daughters, and she's not in here, so it's not Lacey or Savannah, I'll give you that much. But we have one of our daughters who, she, she doesn't want to disobey. But she doesn't want to obey right away because she's got a lot of other things she wants to talk about first. And, it's not, and she's not debating it. She's not arguing. Uh, I'll say to this particular daughter, I'll say, I want you to go upstairs and get your pajamas on. Okay, daddy. Okay, daddy. Uh, but I need, to, I need to tell you about this and I need to ask you about this. And, and Joanna says, it like, says that she's just always got a plan. She's just always got something she wants to do, right? And you know what I have to tell her is I have to say, no, 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 no. We'll talk about that later. First, you need to obey. First, you need to do what you're supposed to do. Because if you don't do it right away, and if she doesn't do it right away, she forgets. She gets sidetracked. Now, you know what's amazing is God will speak to you on a Sunday morning in a service. God will speak to you on a Sunday night in a service. And if you don't do it right away, if you don't make the change right away, Guess what? That old devil's going to give you 101 other things to do to cause you to not make the change that the preacher said or that the Holy Spirit said on Sunday. And so when God speaks, you make haste. For instance, sometimes we'll, we'll preach about, you know, sin and we'll preach about gossip or we'll preach about bitterness or we'll preach about lying or we'll preach about pride or whatever. And if you don't deal with that right away, if you don't make haste, Say, I'm going to fix this. Chances are, you're probably not going to do it. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has had this in your life, in your past. Uh, but I remember when I was in college, I remember seeing people that would procrastinate. And you know what I said? I'll never do that. <laughs> not me. I would get my projects done well in advance because I saw the insanity that went into procrastinating. And I saw the all-nighters that people would have to do to get that paper done. And then you know what happened over time? It happened to me. Anybody else ever guilty of that? Am I the only one? Oh, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Thank you for making me feel better. Oh, and those of you that didn't raise your hand, if you're lying, I'll expect to see you at the altar. But procrastinating. You know what's amazing when you procrastinate is that the longer you wait, the harder it gets. Amen. Have you ever been on an interstate and, and you miss your, your exit? 
And what's so bad is you miss your exit, but you're out in the middle of nowhere and you got to go 10 miles to get to the next one. And every time, unless you do those illegal U-turns in the median, some of you, you better watch out. It says authorized vehicles only. And some of you think your vehicle is authorized, but it's not. It's just your self-authorization, right? Um, but, but you drive and it's frustrating because you're going and every mile you go, you're getting further and further from where you need to be going. And the longer you wait, the harder it gets. Can I tell you, when God speaks to you, you need to make haste. David said, I made haste and I delayed not to keep thy commandments. You've got to get to God, hurry back to God. If you've gotten away from God, don't wait any longer. Don't put it off. Don't say, I'll get it right Wednesday. I'll get it right next Sunday. I'll get it right in a month or I'll get it right whenever. No, no, no. You got to do it now. And David said, a man after God's own heart said, I made haste. I made it a priority. Number six, the word is priority. He said, I made haste and delayed not to keep thy commandments. Notice number seven. It's found in verse 61. It's an interesting verse. and I want you to see it. It says, the bands of the wicked have robbed me, but I have not forgotten thy law. Now, I've, I've studied a couple different uh, uh, Bible scholars. I've read a couple different ones, and it's interesting that they, they kind of, they're not sure on this, but there's kind of a consensus. But this word, bands, in some cases... It's literally talking about the, the chains or, or the ropes, whereas a, uh, uh, the bands of the wicked, have, they've, they've chained me and they've, they've robbed me. They've kept me from doing what I need to do. However, the way that this is written, it probably is a, a band or a group of wicked men who David says these bands or the, these groups of wicked people have robbed me. David experienced bands of wicked men in his life. David experienced a man by the name of Saul who robbed him. Say, so what did Saul rob David of? Saul robbed David of the peace of being at home, <laughs> the, the peace of being able to walk about freely. Saul chased David and tried to kill David. Because of jealousy, because Saul knew that David was to be his replacement. And Saul couldn't handle that. And by the way, I wasn't planning on preaching on this, but you better be very careful about jealousy. Amen. Jealousy will cause you to do things you never would have imagined. Jealousy will cause you to lose reason. It'll cause you to, uh, to, to be worked up. It'll cause you to be bitter. It'll cause you to be angry. And it's all because somebody else has something that you think belongs to you or you think you deserve. Friend, I want to tell you something. We got to be content with where we are and where God put us. And you can't always be looking and thinking the grass is greener somewhere else or you will allow jealousy to get in and jealousy will rob you. It will destroy you. But Saul was a wicked man who, who robbed David of some things. What about Absalom? David's own son who in his wickedness and in his rebellion, he robbed David of the throne. He robbed his own father of the palace. 
You say, how did he do that? Because David didn't want to fight against him. David didn't want to, to see his son killed in battle. So David stepped back and said, I'd rather let him have it than to actually fight against my own son and kill him. David knew what it was to be robbed by bands of wicked men. Then there's the account when David was fleeing and David was running from Saul that the Amalekites came. And the Amalekites came and they came while David was out in battle and they came and they robbed David. They took all of his family. They took his loved ones. They took his possessions at Ziklag and they ran. And David had to go and he had to chase them down to get those things back. You see, if you're not careful, the bands of the wicked can rob you of your joy. They can rob you of victory. They can rob you of peace. They can rob you of the blessings you do have. You'll be so focused on all the things that, that you think you deserve that you won't even thank God for the things you do have. And the bands of the wicked, they can rob you of those things. Now, I'm glad to tell you they can't rob you of your salvation. Aren't you glad that once you're saved, you can't lose that? But the bands of the wicked, they can plunder you and they can cause you to be robbed of so many things that God wants you to have and God has provided for you. Notice the answer. It says the bands of the wicked have robbed me. And that's a true statement. David was robbed of many things, even while he was king. But he said this, but I have not forgotten thy law. He said, I'll tell you one thing. The wicked may attack. The wicked may afflict. But they cannot destroy when I remember the promises that God has made. Amen. And aren't you glad that you and I, we have a book we can run to? Amen. We have a, a God that we can run to as our refuge when the Amen. bands Amen. of the wicked plunder and rob us. The bands of the wicked have robbed me, David said, but I have not forgotten thy law. Notice verse 62. At midnight, I, I was kind of hoping to preach this at midnight, but I think we'll have to settle for 658. That was a joke. If you're not laughing, you should be. I was not planning to preach till midnight. But at midnight, David said, I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. Now, now hang on. I understand all of these verses. I understand that they're not necessarily, it's not necessarily a story. But David just said in the verse before, he said, the bands of the wicked, they've robbed me. But you know what he said in the next verse? He said, but I'm still going to thank God because of his righteous judgments. Amen. God's still right. Amen. God's still good. Amen. God's still got everything under control. And I'm going to praise him no matter what happens. Amen. But he says at midnight. Now, there are some things that people do at midnight. Maybe you at midnight, maybe you have to get up and have a midnight snack. You know what's amazing is I've heard that expression my whole life, but I don't know that I've ever gotten up. Now, I've stayed up till midnight, and if you stay up till midnight, how many of you know you need a snack if you stay up that late? I remember my college days, speaking of those, Brother, uh, brother Dan, I remember my college days. I remember I, I figured out why fast food restaurants had to be open till late hours, right? It's because of college students like us. 
And I remember one particular restaurant, it was terrible any time of the day, but if you went at midnight, it actually tasted pretty good. It was called Jack in the Box. You're, have you all ever heard of Jack in the Box? Anybody know Jack in the Box? It was terrible. Uh, they, they had hamburgers and french fries and all that. They had tacos, and the tacos were terrible. But at midnight, when you're starving and nothing else is open, it's amazing how good they tasted. But I don't know what you do at midnight. Maybe you get a midnight snack. Maybe you got to have a chocolate chip cookie and a glass of milk. Or maybe you got to have anybody, anybody do cookies and milk at midnight. Anybody do that if you can't sleep? Does that help you sleep? Anybody? Ice cream. Anybody get up and eat, eat a bowl of ice cream if you can't? Oh, there we go. We're getting a couple there now. Uh, how about potato chips? Anybody do potato chips at midnight? Brother George, is that the answer? Okay, well, I was... I don't, I don't do midnight snacks, but maybe for midnight, if you get up, maybe you have a snack. Maybe for you, you'll, I don't get up to watch a ball game, but there have been a few ball games when you're on Eastern time that you got to stay up till midnight if you're going to see the end of it. I don't do that much anymore, but here's what David did. David said, when I get up at midnight, I got something else on my mind. David said, when I wake up at midnight and I can't sleep. He said, I just got to thank God. I just got to praise God for how good he's been to me. Tell you what, that may be something good to do when you wake up at midnight and you can't sleep just to start counting your blessings. Just thank God for how good he's been to you. David had been through some battles and David had been through some trials, but David said, when I get up, he said at midnight, he said, I'm going to rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. We see number eight, the word is praise. Aren't you thankful that when you get up at midnight, you're able to talk to a God who never slumbers and never sleeps? Amen. Now, when you wake up at midnight, Brother Bobby, I, Brother Bobby Jones, I was thinking about you, it's probably not the best time to shout glory in the middle of the night at midnight, especially if you've got other people in the house with you. Uh, I promise you this, when I wake up at midnight, I'll be thanking the Lord, but I'll be doing it quietly because I don't want to scare my wife. And uh, wake her up, you know, and startle her. But at midnight, David said, I'll give thanks unto God for his righteous judgments. Notice verse 63. We see number nine, David talks about his peers. He says in verse 63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. You know, we ought to be so careful that we guard the people that we have as our peers. The people that you consider as your friends, they ought to be people that fear God. They ought to be people that keep God's precepts. I, I could think of a good place to find good Christian friends. It's called the church. Aren't you thankful for the church? Aren't you thankful for a, a called out assembly of believers where we can come and we can encourage one another and we can pray for one another? Uh, you can come to church and people aren't going to laugh at you and say, oh, you believe that Bible and oh, you believe in prayer and oh, you, you, you spend your weekends going to church. Oh man, what a waste. You come to church and people say, hey, keep on. It's worth it to serve God. It, it's the best life. It's the greatest life in all the world. We often warn against the wrong crowd, but I think we should encourage our young people and young adults to get around the right crowd, have the right peers. Verse number 64 we see that David says, The earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Teach me thy statutes. 
You see, no matter where you go on earth, there's something that you will find. Now, you may go some places and you may not find certain kinds of foods. You may not find certain kinds of, uh, of, of, of landscape. There may be certain plants. There may be certain animals. You'll only find certain places. But David said this. He said, I've been a lot of places. And he had been. He had been out in the fields watching sheep. He had been in the deserts uh, running for his life. He had been in caves. He'd been in palaces. But David said this, no matter where I've gone, I've always found God's mercy. And aren't you glad that there is plenty of mercy? Number 10, the word is plenty. David said, the earth, O Lord, is full of thy mercy. Not only is God's mercy found everywhere, but it is abundant. It is plentiful. The Bible tells us in uh, verse number 58, be merciful unto me according to thy word. This book right here is filled with a record of the mercy of God. And God's mercy extends to you and it extends to me. It is plentiful. It is abundant. If the earth is full of the mercy of God, don't you think he's able to extend some to you? It'd be like this if... My, my girls, if Lacey and Savannah came up to me after church, and they said, Dad, they said, Mom hasn't fed us all day. <laughs> Which basically means she hasn't fed them since, you know, 4.30 this afternoon with, you know, their snack before children's choir. But, but Mom hasn't fed us all day. And Dad, we're so hungry. We're starving. We're going to die. And, and we're, your, we're your children. And, and could, could, you just, could you spare a dollar or two? So... We could go to the bookstore and get those nutritious Mentos, you know, that they sell in the bookstore. Boy, those will, those will get you through. Those will keep you going. And, uh, and, I, and I, if, I had, if I had money in my pocket, and I had plenty of money in my pocket, and my girls were begging me for some food just because they were starving to death, don't you think I'd extend it to them? Don't you think I'd give it to my children? And if God is plentiful in mercy, don't you think he's going to extend it to his children? Amen. You better believe it. Yes, and I'm glad that he has mercy yes, because I need a whole lot of it and so do you. And God is merciful. Yes, his mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.